As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic, coming up on this week's show. Newcastle failed to nail down hammers despite another flying start. Maxi's back again, the mercurial French winger sparks a furious debate, a bit too furious if you ask us. And tickets please, cup final sale begins. Hello, this is Pod on the Tyne. I am Taylor Payne and I'm delighted to welcome everybody back to the podcast. You the listener and all of you lot Woo-hoo. on this call. Jacob's here. Jacob, you alright? Hello. George is here too. Yes, I'm here, all present and correct. And what's that? Looking knackered? Newly fathered up? <laughs> That's not the right phrase, is it? <laughs> the, new, the newly fathered up, the new father of the group, Chris Woff is back. How the devil are you, Chris? Toodaloo. Toodaloo. Yes, I'm getting used to saying words like that and just making things up as I speak to little, little, uh, hey, little James. Yeah. Hey, hey, Taylor, I spoke to Chris earlier today. All right. And... Um, and he was covered in piss. Nice. And but the amazing thing is that's got absolutely nothing to do with James yeah. or having a new baby. It was just Chris was covered in piss. Yes, Chris, you have to get used to having shit under your fingernails at every possible opportunity now. Yeah, well, James picked the perfect opportunity because it was just as we were about to go in for a midwife appointment at the RVI, and he nice. managed to wee directly onto my crotch as well, so it did look like I had wet myself. So, uh, Oh, Chris, please don't ever go away ever again. Welcome back. <laughs> Well, just a, just a, just a quick note to say, and I don't I don't like speaking too much about myself and everything that's going on, but I want to say thank you very much to everyone who sent some very kind messages, and I also wanted to say thank you very much to the staff at the RVI and at the Tiny Lives charity who've been absolutely 
extraordinary over the course of the last couple of weeks. James had a uh, difficult start to life when he first came in, but he's doing very, very well now thanks to the care and attention they've given him. And he finally came home uh, on Friday, so him, Alice and I have been in over the weekend. And yes, I've had very little sleep, but it's been wonderful to be back home with him. So yes, thank you very much, everyone. All the fun starts now, mate. Congratulations. We're all made up for you. Great stuff. Uh, well... How the devil are we, chaps? George, are you okay? Are you all right? Well, I'm. I'm actually. I'm actually very tired, but I can, I'm not sure if I can give too much away uh, uh, about that this week. We'll we'll talk about it next week. But yeah, Jacob Jacob has put me through the ringer over the last twenty four hours. But we're just going to have to store this conversation up for a week, I'm afraid. But uh, a little yes, teaser. I'm okay. Forward. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm sort of. Uh, yeah. I am also on the verge of exhaustion, but I don't really have don't quite have quick Christmas ex- excuse. Absolutely not. Well, just to let you know, chaps, I am carrying an injury coming into today's podcast recording. Oh, no. I burnt my tongue quite severely on a fish finger sandwich at dinner time, and it's it's been difficult this afternoon. But I've managed to muddle through. Uh, yeah, you did. You be, d- I had to be here for you. You know what I mean. Thank you. Your, I mean, your commitment, as always, Taylor knows knows no bounds. Knows no and, beginning. I mean, a fish. <laughs> No, there's no beginning. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, the fish finger is a great is a great sandwich. It's amazing. I would have How to say. How do you have yours? It is one of the great sandwiches. How do I have it? Yeah, because I've had this argument with a lot of people. Well, I have mine slightly cooler than than, than yours, which I think is probably the crucial <laughs> yeah, the crucial not thing. Not volcanic temperatures. But I would I would I would tend to have. I mean, if this is what you're asking me, I would tend to have it with a little bit of red sauce and also some um, what do you tartar sauce mixed together. Ah. Oh. Knew you were going to say that. Now that this conversation's over, George, that's it. Done. Yeah, it's it's white bread, it's butter, it's ketchup. That's it. You don't, you don't piss about with a classic, George. Come on. Well, I'd have white bread and butter. Okay, fine. Sorry, that's my lesson learned. But uh, okay. Okay. Well, let's crack on then, chaps, shall we? Uh, Newcastle United absolutely flew out of the blocks against West Ham, Chris, didn't they? What a start. Uh, Joe Willock had the ball in the net. I wasn't even on my seat yet. It was amazing how quickly that ball went in the net, but it was ruled out for that go- uh, the, the ball going out over the line uh, before the Almiron cross. It was uh, absolutely astonishing start. It was. I mean, I was at home watching it. Uh, James's unfortunately his hundred percent record has gone, but he's still uh, unbeaten. But actually, it was so it was so quick after Willock had the goal disallowed that Sky actually missed the opening. It's one of those annoying things. It particularly happens uh, a lot in in rugby coverage, but it's come more and more into football where they show replay for so long, even when the ball's back in play, and it just makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. It's like I want to see what's actually happening on the pitch, and so suddenly the ball it just shot to the ball was in the middle of the pitch, and then Longstaff had it, and the ball was played through for Wilson. So until they showed the replay, I had no concept that it had come directly from the the goal kick, which had uh, sorry the free kick, which had resulted from no, it was a goal kick that resulted from the the ball being out for that. But yeah, it was it was a phenomenal start, and Newcastle just looked right on it. And at that point, you thought this could be just a case of how many, really. Yeah, absolutely. It's an absolute slide rule pass by a long staff in uh, Callum Wilson, and he puts it away beautifully, doesn't he, Jacob? It's uh, Longstaff's had a fantastic week, and he kept on going with that ball and that 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 piece of play it was brilliant stuff. Yeah, I mean, even in the stadium, I was still trying to tweet out the first goal when suddenly you hear the noise of. Uh... The first non-goalie even, where suddenly you hear the noise of that long staff pass. Um, but I was really impressed with Wilson in that just after missing so many chances over the last few weeks and despite what Howard had been saying, kind of this must have been a bit of a monkey on his back, not scoring since before the World Cup. And he tucked it away really coolly. It's just a shame that in the second half, which I'm sure come on to another couple of chances missed. Yeah, it was, it, it was a... It was a... 
an easy chance for him the first one, but it's on his left foot, you know, and, and then that, that second one when he's one-on-one with the keeper, he kind of takes the ball onto his left foot and then tries to cut back onto his right, and that's that's what gives the defender a chance to get back and, and pick him up. But, but George, it was great to see him back on the score sheet, wasn't it? And his smile was as, uh, as wide as the River Tyne. Yeah, I, I mean, yes. So it was that sort of slight mixed feeling. I mean, it, it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant goal. I mean, just on that, the there had been proper concern within the club, um, you know, that there would be a flatness to, both to the atmosphere and also to the team's performance after the um, after getting through to the cup final. They were they were really trying to guard against that. Howard made a point, you know, certainly at the training ground in the week to sort of emphasise the importance of these matches, but. And it was kind of noticeable that um, you know that the that the that the announcer was like saying, "Oh, it's flat, it's flat. We need to we need to liven up." So, in fact, I thought the kind of flatness came later, which was kind of quite interesting. But there was almost that sort of determined effort to to make it um, to make it loud, and it was a brilliant start. I mean, the Wilson goal was hilarious in the sense that it came after that, you know, after the non-goal. It was genuine. It felt like a genuinely sort of funny, funny moment. And yeah, no, just slightly well disappointing that the team you know couldn't kind of keep that up and then capitalize on it and yeah the 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 balance for Wilson's goal was the fact that there were those two two really good chances later on in the match that he couldn't couldn't take I think West Ham definitely raised their level as well kind of as a point about 15 minutes in where you saw Rice gather everyone around kind of impromptu and give him a real talking to is very old school with his kind of you know short shorts low down socks and kind of proper finger jabbing job so I think they definitely raised their level a fair bit. And that centre-back, now for Gurr, had his tackle on Wilson, but he had an absolutely brilliant game. They were very good. They, they kind of controlled the midfield as well, Chris, didn't they? And they, they edged their way back into the game. Declan Rice was highly involved, like Jacobs just said, and Paqueta as well. Uh, he, he Or Paqueta, however we're going to pronounce it, I'm not sure. Uh, but he was, uh, he was instrumental as well and got the goal that got West Ham back in the game after some uh, poor defending, shall we say. Yeah, I mean, West Ham started off looking pretty shambolic, I suppose, looking like the West Ham were very early in the season. And then they quickly resembled more of what you would expect from a David Moyes side, who were, you know, quite compact, difficult to sort of break through. And they did fill the midfield, uh, flood the midfield of bodies. And, and I agree that Declan Rice was very, very good. I thought Newcastle's midfield started quite well. I thought Sean Longstaff, certainly for the first half an hour, was very good. And there were little bits and bobs from, from the others. But... How tried to tinker at certain points, and Joe Linton went deepest at some stages, and there were a lot of people who raved about Joe Linton. I've, I've seen. I had a slightly different view. I thought he was very good off the ball, but I also think that you saw the limitations maybe of playing Joe Linton deep because I don't think he was great on the ball. I thought Newcastle struggled, and that's obviously where they're, they're without Bruno Gimaraes. And we know that when you have him in midfield, he he's, he orchestrates everything from that position. And the, and the right hand side suffered a little bit without having that sort of axis that you'd usually have with Bruno uh, Trippier. And Almiron, it just didn't all quite function. And after a very, very quick start, you just felt Newcastle lacked a bit of rhythm. And maybe that was, whether that was a bit of a hangover from, from the Tuesday night, whether it's a combination of that or Bruno Gimaraes. They didn't have Alexander Isak and Alan Sat-Maximan to bring off the bench to provide something different this game as they had in the previous one. Gordon came on and made an impact, but not having that sort of Isak, I think, did make a difference during the second half. And West Ham just sort of found a way to really make Newcastle labour a lot and pass the ball backwards rather than forwards as they so often want to do. 
George, there were shades of the of the Southampton Cup game again, weren't there? With a goal going in not long before half time, Newcastle not quite at the races. A bit of anxiety starts to settle in, and and they're kind of not really there in a way that we've recognised from earlier in the season. Um, it's you know another draw. It's not the end of the world, but it does need to be better, doesn't it? It by no means is the end of the world. If 40 points is the end of the world, 21 games in, then that's a strange kind of apocalypse as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but no, I mean, you know, that those 10 draws do tell their own story, I think, now. I think, don't they? Um, you know, that show Newcastle are incredibly difficult to beat and hard to play against, but also sort of suggest that, well, they're obviously patently not doing enough to, to sort of win games either. And... It hasn't sort of changed, I don't think, that that feeling that there's a bit of tiredness there, that it could do with a bit of shaking up. Quite where that shaking up comes from, I'm not sure. But of course, you have to mention Bruno and what a big mess he he was. I mean, I just think that's, that's such a... It's an obvious thing to say, but uh, it's true. So, um, yeah, that that fluidity just isn't quite there at the moment. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, on to Alan San Maximin then. Uh, Jacob, you had a little chat with him after the game. Let's hear from him first. I start very good the season against City, Wolverhampton. I get my injury. And after that, the, the team have to, to do without me and, and, and they've done very, very well. So after when the team like win every every single single game, you just have to wait for, for, for your for your chance. So um, was uh, was a good good comeback because I think I, I create some some good chance and I try to to defend a lot and to help a lot uh, Danburn and we didn't concede a goal uh, as I say like was a set pieces so that's the most uh, important is to do what the coach uh, want and uh, I know I did uh, I did well uh, today about that. As I say, I start very good the season. The team didn't lose any game when I, when I was there. I play four games. Nottingham, we win. We play Brighton, we draw. And after that, I play one of my best games in Newcastle against Manchester City. And straight after, we play Wolverhampton. We was like one nil down. And I scored the, the goal to make the draw. So I didn't lose any game when I was on the pitch. And this is something very important for me, uh, finally. And the coach know that. 
So that's why I have a very good relation <coughs> with him because he know what I'm capable to do. And uh, most of the time when I am on the pitch, I try to do everything to don't lose the game. So um, after that, when I come back from my injury, the team was winning a lot of games. So they have a lot of credit. If I will be the starting player and we win every single game or we don't lose, you know, I would don't like to be to be out just because uh, uh, an important player just come back. You know, I will maybe feel the manager maybe let me down. So as I say, it's a long time we didn't lose um, any game in, in in Premier League. So we have a very good run. We are in final of the cup. So you know, I'm I'm, I'm very proud uh, to be there for sure. The most important for me is to play, and I will always like try to be in, in position where I play every game because any player like don't like and I don't play football to be on the bench but you know sometimes you need to, to understand the, the situation and as I said when I was there the team didn't lose any game and I did my, my job and when I was not there the team keep going to play well and they didn't lose uh, as well so you need to, to understand that for sure if we lose two games and I stay on the bench will be different, different you know I would never accept that, that situation but uh, when the team did so well and especially when you love the player you know you cannot be like Okay, when you play, you are very nice guys, and when you start to don't play, you just try to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not like that, you know, and I believe a lot in, in God, and that's why, you know, even when I didn't play, I try to pray for, for the team, because finally we are, we are together, and if we go in Champions League, we're going to go all together. That's the most uh, important for, for all of, you, of us. Interesting stuff, Jacob. It was, um, there was times when he looked... Like he was really trying hard to work for the team and graft his arse off. And then there was times when it just wasn't coming together in the other direction. He made the most tackles in the game. He ran nearly the most amount of yards and uh, kilometers, sorry, that he's ran in the in, in the entire season. But it just wasn't coming together for, for him in the other half of the pitch, was it? Yeah, this is it. I mean, you could see that the effort was there. And he spoke about how he knows that defending is the most important thing, which Eddie Howe asks of him, which is quite an interesting development from a winger. Kind of that's a a wider point about kind of the modern game, I guess. But um, there's a few times with his pressing where he was still played around quite easily. And that's not a knock on his effort or trying, but maybe just whether some of that running could be targeted in such a way where he still has the energy to attack. Because we saw that he re- he was on track to run the most under Howe, showing the kind of extent to which he has been tracking back. But fewest dribbles that he'd attempted since the last start of last season. And that's his point of difference. That's why he wants Sam Maxman and the team to dribble, to directly go to defenders. If you don't want that and just want pressing, you pick Jacob Murphy on the left wing. So there is mitigation, though. Like, he was rusty. It's his first start since August. No one was really great in attack. So, like, important not to overreact too much on it. Yeah, it sparked real debate amongst fans, though, hasn't it, Chris? Twitter was an absolute war zone on on Saturday night with people arguing with each other about the effectiveness or non-effectiveness of Alan Maximan. Uh, I know I got a few uh, a few barbed comments back because I had said he just didn't seem like he was at it. I didn't I didn't say anything particularly controversial. I just thought he didn't seem like he was at it on the day. Uh, but it has sparked debate amongst fans, hasn't it? It has, and uh, I'd agree with Jacob that I do think there are mitigating circumstances. He hasn't started a Premier League game since August 
largely down to injury and illness, but he hasn't been able to get in the team recently. And as he says himself, that's because the team has, has been performing so well. But also, th- still the best 45-minute individual display of, the, of any Newcastle player, in my opinion, this season was Alan Sam Maxman against Manchester City. He still can do that. And increasingly, when Newcastle are lacking uh, the goals, really, to, to add to, to, to add the end product to, to their dominance or their the way that they are imposing themselves on the opposition. I think he can offer something different, whether that is as a starter or as a substitute. It didn't work on Saturday, but I don't think you just suddenly write off and say he can't do anything. What I would say on the off-the-ball situation is what I find frustrating with Sam Axman in recent weeks, and I think you've seen an increasing amount over the course of the last few months, is he looks like someone who is running to show that he's running, and I don't always think that it's it's to the betterment of the team and for him necessarily. I think he wants to show that he's, he's applying that off-the-ball work, that he is putting in the effort, but sometimes... You run and you track your man, or sometimes you need to be in a different position. Sometimes he's more effective in a different area, and it almost just looks like someone who's trying to say, "Look, I am, I am trying really hard, but I don't know if it's to his benefit or necessarily to the to the wider teams." And I think that that's just going to take a little bit more time for Eddie Howe to sort of fit him into that system. If he is going to play, Gordon is going to put even greater pressure on him as to whether he is going to be in that starting eleven. But I, I do think that Alan Sam Maxman still can contribute a heck of a lot to Newcastle, particularly in tight games at St James's Park where they need a moment of inspiration. Yeah, I was just going to point out that, you know, Jacob's written about this very subject uh, for us, for The Athletic, about about where he fits in and makes the point. I mean, if, if as Eddie Howe says, I, intensity is our identity, where does Alain Saint-Maximin fit in to that? Because intensity is not his identity. His identity is being given freedom, you know, having the ability to do something that nobody else can do and needing to be in the right part of the pitch to be able to do that. And I do think, you know, that's that's obviously boiling things down to a very sort of, you know, very simple level. But what, you know, we've seen countless times in the past him not doing very much and then, you know, doing something absolutely unbelievable that nobody else could do on the pitch. We've also seen Steve Bruce struggle to find a regular position for him in the team where he can be effective and not be a liability in terms of that off-the-ball stuff. I think that in his substitute appearances that we've seen recently, he's done very well, that he has offered a threat and he's also found a way of, you know, making an impact off the ball in terms of tackling and in terms of trying to track back. But you know that you lose something with him. If you put him 10 yards, 20 yards back further on the pitch, further down the pitch, you lose something. And so he is one of those kind of great conundrums. Um, I sort of felt a bit sorry for him actually on Saturday. I mean, not in a, you know, not in a kind of boo-hoo sort of way, but you know, I think he's trying his best. I think he's part of it. I think you hear from what he says afterwards that he feels part of the team, part of the squad. Um, you know, just long. You sort of I remember saying to Jacob, but you know, this is a game for him to do something in the ninety-second minute after doing very little. You know, but obviously he wasn't he wasn't on the pitch at that point. And Gordon comes on full of energy, um, probably full of adrenaline, does run around um, and put himself about. And so there was a bit of a contrast there. But no, he's been he's way too valuable to write off, and he I'm sure he will have a part to play in the weeks ahead. Absolutely. And Jacob, his cause on the left wing won't be helped by, as George said, that bright shone from Anthony Gordon, the man who came on and replaced him in the game. He created a great chance for Callum Wilson. He looked busy. He looked vibrant. He was running all over the place and he was putting his foot in. Uh, and it was a good first shown from him, wasn't it? I said he was good and it wasn't just the Everton fan in me. <laughs> and I feel vindicated after that yeah. first 20 minutes. Um, 
Hal spoke about his first touch, and I think he might have meant his second because he played a little one-two with Jalinton and then fizzed it infield to Sean Longstaff, and it's one of those passes which really exploded off, and that was just kind of is in the corner, kind of where we were over by, and that was immediately exciting. And then playing through Wilson, he hasn't had an assist for Everton all season, and it looks as if he should have had one in the first five minutes. Kind of took it on the half turn and threaded it around. I think it was Ogbonna. And Aguirre came back and made that brilliant tackle. Um, but yeah, encouraging cameo. What, what, what did you guys think? Sort of first time seeing him in Newcastle jersey. I thought he was really exciting when he came on. He looked well up for it. Like George says, I think the adrenaline was probably coursing through his body at the time. Uh, but he looked really bright and he instantly made West Ham's backline just take a little moment and rethink. And I think they'd kind of figured out how to play against us in that the first part of that second half. And when he came on, they suddenly went, oh, hang on, we've got a different prospect here. We're going to have to just reassess what we're doing. Um, he wasn't just sticking to the left-hand side byline. He was cutting inside. He was going across the field. He was playing passes, like you say, fizzing in little one-twos and stuff like that. And that ball around the corner for Wilson, I mean, that would have topped it off, wouldn't it? It was it was a great effort. Um, Chris, what was your thoughts on, on Anthony Gordon? I thought that he looks like a very, very Eddie Howe-style player. He's tall. He's physical. He gets around the pitch. He presses. He can play in several different positions. Is adaptable. Will do exactly what is needed for the team, but with a little bit of flair, and it really that's almost like the ideal Eddie Howe player, combining those sorts of factors. And he certainly brought it, and I think he injected something into the game and into that Newcastle side which had been lacking. And it'll be fascinating to see how he's used going forward because I think that he may come into the side slightly quicker than some of the other players previously. People are referring to how long it took Bruno Gimraes, Sven Botman. The plan initially was he wasn't going to be the team as quickly, but Gordon is Premier League experienced. And I think that sooner or later he will be getting into that side more regularly than not. I think the thing which also helps him is his versatility. He's not only on the left. He can play on the right as well. Kind of where someone like Sam Maxman, you kind of only really envisage coming in on the left. Almiron's had a long run of games, um, looked a little bit off it at the weekend. And so the fact that you could have Gordon potentially replacing either of them and it's seen as a rotation rather than kind of a statement of a player being dropped also works in his favour. Very direct, has a, has a good touch. Uh, totally agree with what everyone else has said. I mean, you know, I suppose, um, you know, you have to say that it's it's possibly slightly easier to come onto the pitch on the, in the 69th minute when, you know, when West Ham are p- probably tiring a bit. Um, uh, you know, so it's I think it's easier to sort of make an impact. In, I mean, it's easier and harder in some ways, I suppose, you know, to come into a team. Um, but... He, he definitely sort of, you know, there was that feeling of contrast with St. Maximin, which is probably a bit unfair um, because West Ham certainly sort of, you know, I felt that they that, that they sat back to start with and he then comes on when they're, when they're in the game and on the ball and there was, there was then space for him to sort of move into. That's certainly how it felt to me. But, yeah, really encouraging, um, very exciting, looks very dynamic, very direct. Um yeah, like the look of him. Okay, so Chris, you're going to have to shoot off, aren't you, mate? I am, yes. Uh, going to change some more nappies. So yeah, hopefully not get weed on on this occasion. But <laughs> well, it's been a it's been a brief cameo from you, but I've enjoyed it. You know, first twenty minutes and then hauled off. Uh... Anthony Gordon, Anthony Gordon. It was a sort of you know he's 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 come off the bench to make an impact. I think. Oh, cool. I'm glad. I thought you were going to say it was like Alan Saint Maximan. You know, looked a bit sounded a bit rusty, but I'll take that. I'll take that. 
Yeah, maybe I've been a bit generous there, but anyway, yeah. Well, cheers for dropping in, Chris. It's been lovely to see you. I hope you're well and send the love to the family. Thank you very much. Lovely to chat to you all. See you in a bit. I think he's a bit more uh, Jacob Murphy. Come on, do a little bit of shithousery. Leave. <laughs> Just wave at people like that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's still a little bit of a gap in that midfield with, with Bruno Gimaraes being out for another two games, but Eddie Howe's explicitly reaffirmed his faith in Elliot Anderson. Uh, and his little cameo was quite encouraging as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it's really interesting on Friday that when Hal was asked about midfield, he brought up Anderson unprompted because I think everyone had been assuming that he would do what he ended up doing on Saturday, but he did present the alternative. And it was nice because he was showing for the ball a lot and receiving it because there's been a few times where it's felt like he's been on doing the running and not necessarily getting involved in link-up play so much, whether that's the positioning or kind of the confidence of teammates. Um I mean, it was good he got like a proper run of 15, 20 minutes as well because there are going to be games, I mean, the next two before the cup final, does Howe want to stick with the same front five for all of those? Anson gives him the option to, to mix it up. Absolutely. George, there has been a little bit of a kind of mini meltdown, wasn't there, after the full-time whistle on Saturday? And it's maybe it's a bit of an overreaction to this result. I mean, there's... It's still a great situation that Newcastle find themselves in, unbeaten in 16 games, for God's sake. I mean, there's no crisis, is there? Oh, my goodness, no. Well, again, no, if this is crisis, then... Um, Let's have know, it. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm, have it. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. It's just one of those weird situations where we're still getting, you know, we're still getting results that are not expected week in, week out. So, you know, you kind of think that Liverpool will turn a corner but don't you thought you think that Chelsea will turn a corner and then don't and then at the top of the league Arsenal lose again Man City lose and you know but but on the other hand Man United are winning and Spurs have then won and so it feels like it's just one of those situations where it feels like there's a proper opportunity to cement that place in the top four top you know top three you know and Newcastle are showing a consistent consistency in getting good results in positive results but at the moment, that's not a consistency of winning. So I, I kind of understand it. And it's also, it's just that old thing where, um, you know, the better that Newcastle do, the more excited we become, the more, you know, the more momentum there is behind us. And it's a ferocious thing, that momentum. You know, that's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's part of our identity. It's part of the, the club's personality. That the better we do, the more we want. And, you know, so, yeah, but... Bigger picture, week upon week, we have to take a step back. This is way ahead of schedule. The team are way ahead of schedule. They shouldn't be in the top three. They shouldn't really be in a cup final. They are. Let's celebrate it. Let's enjoy, let's enjoy it. Absolutely. And next up is uh, Bournemouth. And obviously, that'll be why Chris pissed off when he did, because he's scared of anything <sighs> that is south of Scotch Corner, isn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah, he's he's yeah pissed off. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Speaking of pissed off, let's... Talk to me. Are you going to Bournemouth, um, George? Yeah, after Bournemouth. Yeah, funnily enough, yeah. I'm. Yeah, funnily enough, it's funny, ja- isn't it? so like, um, yeah, Jacob. I mean, it seems to be this thing that seems to be this consistent um, thing. You know, obviously Jacob's been amazing, done brilliantly, uh, writing some fa- fantastic stuff. Doesn't really fancy a trip to Bournemouth, though, does he? No, he doesn't. He doesn't fancy a trip to Bournemouth. So I'm going to fucking Bournemouth again. I think just seeing as George has made martyrdom such a large part of his personality, <laughs> it would just be a shame to take that away. 
Is that what it is? <laughs> it's like I've got to get my misery somewhere, isn't it? That's what I, that's what it is. It's just like these forlorn trudges to the south coast and back. I've just got to. We do have it. to I've send to you, like, George. Yeah. You must know the place like the back of your hand now. Nobody else could go to Bournemouth and 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 enjoy it the way you can, surely. I don't think I've ever... I think Bournemouth is... I have been to Bournemouth to do interviews. I'm not sure if I've seen a match at Bournemouth, though. So um, that inevitably is part of my uh, duty this week. So, yeah, I look forward to that. It'll be interesting to see what Eddie Howe does, Jacob, with the team, with injuries, uh, you know, allowing and that kind of thing. We'll see what starting eleven he puts out. Obviously, it, it could be different. Anthony Gordon could come in and get a start. You never know if uh, if St. Maximin doesn't play in that midfield. Uh, still going to require Joel Linton in there as well. So it'll be an interesting one to see what he actually does with his selection on Saturday, won't it? Yeah, Bournemouth are in pretty poor form. Um I wonder as well, I think it's Howe's first return to Bournemouth as a manager since losing there, since since leaving there, which will be quite interesting. Just whether he wants to put everyone out just because it's an important game to him. His first time back at uh, Dean Court in three years. And I don't know, we can get all technical about stuff and the reasons, but maybe it is hard. He just really wants to go and win there. So yeah, it, I'd like, it'd be nice from a point of intrigue to maybe see Anson, to see Gordon, Isaac, maybe back from concussion. Um, you know, all of those little sort of bits of rotation. But I reckon he just stays full noise. Right, and we'll be back in just a tick after a break. But don't forget to go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod where you can pick up a subscription to The Athletic and pay just £1.99 a month for your first year. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Back in a tick. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So a bit of news from the women's team. They won a Chorley uh, at the weekend. Georgia Gibson sealed a win with a strike from distance after Charlotte Potts and Lauren Robson had overturned a first-half deficit. Good result for the lasses, George. Yes, very good. They're they're a little bit behind um, at the top of the table, but they do have a couple of games in hand, which is obviously very important. It's such a tight, competitive league um it's going to start getting tense soon isn't it, it certainly is uh, new york city will be the visitors uh, at kingston park next as uh, the lasses try to maintain pressure on league leaders durham sestria uh, right then um tickets lads everyone's talking about tickets how do you get a ticket how do we possibly figure out which 
period of ticket release we are in. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on, but Wembley uh, have also announced there's going to be some safe standing at the Carabao Cup final for the first time. Uh, And all of those priority periods have started with the sale this morning, George. Everyone is scrambling like mad to get a ticket for Wembley. Yeah, everybody you speak to, either at the club or around the club or fans, everyone's talking about it. I've had so many messages from people asking if I know any way that I can kind of get tickets for people before anybody else Sorry about that. piles in. I'm, yeah, I, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid I can't. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, everybody, everybody at the club is having the same problem. Of course, we're all thinking about it. Everybody wants to be there. I think that what the club have done, the way they're doing it, feels you know, feels sensible to me. We know that there's there's there are kind of huge problems in terms of um, people on different season ticket deals and di- different deals and trying to pick a way through that and find a fair way um, to get people to the final. I know it's really, really tough. I just, you know, fingers crossed, everybody that wants a ticket gets a ticket. I know that's unlikely to happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's one of those things um, it's a source of tension, it's a source of stress, it's a source of anxiety, all those things. But it's, I mean, my goodness, it's a good anxiety, isn't it? You know, we're talking about uh, going to Wembley and, yeah, hopefully it's, it's, the, it's, the first of, it's the first of many. But, yeah, I don't, I don't envy people going through this process and waiting and, uh, and kind of biting their nails waiting to find out what happens. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a funny time at the minute. Uh, Jacob, the, the, obviously the demand here is is massive from Newcastle fans. We haven't seen our team in a final for such a long time and everybody wants to be there. I, th- I think the club have pretty much done this the fairest way they could though, haven't they? Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, as George says, it's such a minefield. I hope that there'll be some good provision in London for when people going down who don't necessarily have a ticket to the game, a good place where people can congregate and have a weekend in London and which is actually done and policed in a fair and, you know, sort of welcome manner. And so it actually still can be a real weekend to remember. Absolutely. And I'm sure all fans will be looking for those priority periods and when they go. If you want any more information for that, you can go to the club's website and it'll give you all the dates and times and everything like that as well. Uh, It's... uh, it's it's funny, George, isn't it? Like we said, it's it's a problem, but it's a nice problem to have. And everybody is talking about the cup now, aren't they? And the cup fever has well and truly gripped us all. Oh yes, it's felt. I mean, I've I've you know, I'll if I'm there, I'll be in the press box, so I'm kind of looking in that sense. But um, I've sort of lost a bit of that tension that I've had over the past two or three weeks um, because it just felt like there was so much riding on on those games to get the team to Wembley. You know, I know that I'm going to be going down to London now. You know, I know that I'm going to do my best to make the most of it and just try and soak everything up. So I've lost that sort of, you know, that tension of that felt like it was sort of infiltrating everything, and I haven't had to have the sort of ticket tension. So I do, you know, I do feel, I do feel for everybody. So yeah, hope, hopefully all our listeners um, will have got a ticket or or can be in London. It's got, you know, just being there. Um, being around around the place is going to be amazing. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a you know a proper weekend for the ages, I'm sure. Yeah, that's my plan. If I can't get a ticket for the game, I'm going to be there anyway and, and just try and soak it all up and enjoy it the best I can. Uh, as long as I'm watching it with with fellow mags, I'll be happy. You know. 
Uh, also, before we go any further, Nick Pope, he won Premier League Save of the Month, uh, Jacob, for that amazing stop uh, at Selhurst Park from Mateta, um, basically keeping Newcastle in the game at that point, and another, another award for Nick Pope. Yeah, I mean, if he's not racked up enough this year already. Yeah, it's just getting greedy But now. that save really was pretty spectacular. Um, I think it's also just the fact that he was blocked by, I think it was, it was either Cher and Botman or Botman and Byrne. And they're quite sizable shapes to try and see through. And it was a really fiercely struck shot. Um, like, I think my wrists would have snapped like biscuits if those had been turned at me. And uh, I think it would just probably be pretty gutted that his amazing first half record has ended after the weekend. So they've kind of been, I'm going to break Arsenal's record of going 20 first halves without conceding a goal, which is kind of, you know, a niche, stato knowledge, kind of a big update of a weekend. Is that a thing? I was going to say, is that is that a thing that people record? Because that I think we're just making stats up now, aren't we? If it's been written down, if Opta have it, it exists. It's a stat. You can make a stat out of what you want to. How many wins do we have under a full moon? That's, that must be a good one to find out. But that that goal that goal that he conceded against West Ham was it was the first in the league, wasn't it? Since um, since since Southampton in November, mm. I think I'm right in saying that. And it is and it is. I mean, it, so at this, you know, at this point, you again have to take a step back and just sort of say congratulations. That was an incredible record. I'm you know I know there was annoyance uh, amongst the team about the concession of that goal at the weekend, but they they as a unit they have just been. Uh, absolutely sensational, and he's just been—he has been brilliant. He's been absolutely uh, brilliant, and though th- you know those, that save he's won the award for, absolutely is is a standout one. But just all through the season, just that consistency, that consistency of 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 brilliance, and um, yeah, fair play to him, fair play to him. But it's still it's that strange sensation. Of seeing Newcastle concede a goal, and it's like, mm, what's happened there? I'm not used to that. Surely that can't it be allowed too to long stand. Ago when it was, <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, and it's like not too long ago it was the absolute. Op- oh, Newcastle have conceded a goal. Well, yeah, that one that was coming. That was coming, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, fair play to him. Congratulations. On Friday, I actually asked Eddie Howe in a press conference whether uh, this was the same Nick Pope that they saw at Burnley or whether he had developed, because it was kind of remarkable over the summer that there wasn't more interest in him looking at him as we know him now. 10 million, it's a snip for one of the best starting goalkeepers in the league. Um, And Howe said, yes, this was the same Pope uh, that he saw at Burnley. And that he sort of told his anecdotes about how his very first day, he was making doing the shot stopping where you just had to stop and take note of that pure ability. And there's been these knocks on him potentially unfairly about his distribution and how shot them down and said he's doing absolutely everything I want him to be doing there. Um, and it's really nice to sort of hear him back Pope so unequivocally. Not that there's been any reason for him not to, but uh, maybe Pope can have a, a week of uh, slightly fewer compliments after after the goal, which did stand which interested but I mean it's, it's it's funny you mentioned that Jacob it's a great point the, the thing about Burnley because Newcastle also they put you know they put down a down payment of three million quid for him so it is 12 million but they've put down three million and anybody else could have done that but it's again that thing is there's been a lot of discussion in recent weeks about finances in football again and for once, Newcastle actually haven't been sort of at the forefront of that discussion. We know that they spent a lot of money last year, but it's it's how they've spent it that's been the sort of important thing. And and on who, again, you know, so I mean, yes, Bruno 
is the kind of player that you want to build a team around. Same same with Botman, but there has been a smartness to their investment, which I don't think has always been appreciated as much as it should have been. Pope just goes down as a incredible, incredible piece of business. Absolutely incredible. Definitely. Uh, nine and a half hours of league football without conceding. An absolutely phenomenal statistic, that, isn't it? Brilliant stuff. I'll see if I can go nine minutes without making uh, without making an error. That would be good. Okay, um, just before we uh, we wrap things up as well, we have to say uh, best wishes and thoughts with uh, with Christian Atsu uh, and his family as well out in Turkey. It's hard to know what to say when you hear about a story like this, George. But we 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 all have our fingers crossed for Christian. Very harrowing scenes from Turkey. Yeah, really really distressing. Very difficult. So. Yeah, we, obviously, I'm sure all of us at the Athletic would would join with you in what you've said. Yeah, we're thinking about Christian and his family and friends. Right then, chaps, shall we round things up? Sounds good. Yep, sounds good. good stuff. Uh, well, don't forget, uh, you can get yourself onto theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod, where you can pick up a subscription to the Athletic and pay just one pound ninety nine a month for your first year. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod. Uh, thanks again, chaps, for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you. Looking forward to waving George off to Bournemouth this weekend. We'll both stand on the platform and wave to him like Jacob Murphy. Bye, George. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be too cynical, and I will urge people to come back next week and have a listen, not just to this pod, but but also the feed. We've got some very very special stuff happening next week, which I'm really really excited about, and we'll tell you a bit more about it then. Ooh, teasers and intrigue, George. I love anything like that. A little bit of mystery. Great stuff. Uh, thanks a lot. And thanks, obviously, to Chris Woff as well, who dropped in to join us earlier on and then disappeared promptly after 20 minutes. So thanks for that, Chris. Uh, and we shall see you again soon. Cheers to everybody for listening out there. Thank you from everybody at Pod on the Tyne. We'll speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Athletic.